wanted to come to Jennings. And uh, today I drove in, and I drove through Jennings, and my wife was on the phone, and we were talking, and I wound up in Abbeville. I went through Kaplan and Gaydon and, and, and Lake Arthur and Klondike, and I drove till I saw a drawbridge, and I said, baby, about an hour ago, I was in Jennings. She said, where are you? I said, I'm in Abbeville. She said, you better hang up the phone. I saw more rice fields and crawfish traps than I ever seen in my life. But it was a good journey. I enjoyed it. And I, I'm just honored to be here tonight. Thank you for the hospitality, the kind room. Whoever made my welcome guest basket. If you cook like you make baskets, I would hate to buy your groceries. There's enough stuff in that basket for Gaydon, I promise you. And God, God richly bless you. I was checking in, and, and the lady brought it to me from the desk, and she said, are you by yourself? I said, yeah, I'm by myself. And, but thank you so much. How many's happy to be living for God? Yes, living for God's the greatest thing in all the world. And... Uh, it is the greatest thing in all the world. I want to give a good shout-out to Brother Hoye. I think about Brother Hoye all the time when I'm at church. And, uh, and, and uh, all the time I think about him. And, and I think good thoughts. And it's, it's, it's good to see him. Amen. And I just wanted to, I just, I know you got that, I know you got that, but I've preached without Mike, so trust me, I'm all right tonight. Anybody happy tonight? Amen. You know, there's great things happening in this church. You can feel Holy Ghost DNA here, and uh, I'm excited about your property and your building and what God's doing. That's, mm, that's exciting. I am a Southern boy. I was born in Southern California. And it's uh, born in L.A., in Pasadena. My wife was born in Kinder. And all my daddy's people are from Starks. So don't hold that against me. And, uh, but I am Southern, Southern Californian. I did live in Louisiana for three years. But God smiled on me. For three years, and I had a lot of fun here, and we are back doing the will of God in the land that I was born in. Praise God. How many is going to help me tonight in the word of the Lord? I, um, I, I want to say to you, before I get into the word of the Lord tonight, that I really feel like the Holy Ghost has talked to me. And, um, and I want to, um, I want to obey the Holy Ghost tonight. And I, um, I feel a little bit nervous 
because I feel way too comfortable. And so I'm going to act like I'm at home, and that, that could be dangerous. Judges chapter 3. If you would turn to me, Judges chapter 3. I want to read in your hearing. Beautiful building, beautiful facilities. Tastely decorated, clean, great usher staff, great cadets. Y'all have got all the systems in place. I don't believe you really understand what all is ahead of you, but it's going to blow your mind. I feel it in my Holy Ghost. I feel it in my Holy Ghost. Feel it in my Holy Ghost. Judges chapter 3, verse 1. Now these are the nations which the Lord left. Everybody say, the Lord left. Now, before we go any further, let me give you a little background on this. This is speaking of the deliverance of Israel out of bondage. But God is telling them, part of my deliverance was leaving some things. And he said, so these are the nations which the Lord left. Why? To prove Israel by them. Even as many of Israel as had not known all the wars of Canaan, only that the generations of the children of Israel might know to teach them war, at the least such as before knew nothing thereof. Namely, let's look at these nations. Namely, five lords of the Philistines, and all of the Canaanites and the Sidonians and the Hivites that dwelt in Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal-Hermon unto the entering in of Hamath. And they were to prove Israel by them, to know whether they would hearken unto the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hands of Moses." So real quickly, let me, as we say in the West Coast, let me explain this to you. God said, I love you, and I've delivered you. But in my delivering, I left four nations among you. And the reason that I left them there was twofold, to prove whether you would hearken unto the words of the preacher. And second of all, to teach this young generation how to go to war. I have no title for what I'm going to preach tonight. You can title it whatever you want. I just want to preach. Would you lift your hands and your voice and your heart? Let's pray. Savior, I love you. Bless your name in this tabernacle. Let's love him one more time. I honor you and I magnify your name. I give glory tonight for what I feel in my spirit. I'm believing you tonight to do a great work in us. To minister to the heart of this church. To do something in our midst. I give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.
You may be seated. The book of Judges is a very curious book to me. It has often been called the dark ages of Israel because in the book of Judges is recording the or is recorded the historical cycle of Israel. Israel was a people like you and I are that that wore grooves in life and they they grooved a cycle of living and they 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 grew trends that that after a little while you could pretty much judge where they were by their behavior by their actions and by their attitudes they became such a cyclical people that that the nations that were their enemies could pretty much know where they were and how they were doing by, by the ground that they were standing on. So much so that there came a time that the enemies of Israel would, would say that their God is a God of the hills. And they knew that when Israel was in lowlands and when they were in deep valleys. They, they knew that this is a time to conquer them and this is a time to go to war with them. But, but if they begin to move out of the lowlands and if they begin to make their journey out of their valley and start looking up instead of looking down and when, when their view begins to be greater than the, the, the ground that they're standing on and they elevate their horizon and, and their vision begins to be expanded and they look toward the heights of mountains. It's not the time to mess with Israel because their God is a God that dwells in the mountains and their God is a God of, of high places. And, and, and so it was that in this book, called the book of Judges, we begin to examine the, the cycle. We, we examine the reoccurring pathway of this nation called Israel. You could, you could track them almost like, like a stopwatch in your hand, that, that, they, that they, would, they would have a high place in God, and, and they would all dance and rejoice and, and experience the goodness of God. However, all begin to understand that immediately upon the heels of this revival and immediately upon the heels of this great time of celebration, they're going to cease their pressure in prayer and they're going to cease uh, their, their volume in worship and they're going to cease uh, their sacrifices unto the Lord. And again, they would repeat the cycle and eventually they would lose out their shout and they would lose their rejoicing and they would lose their high place in God and begin to be disobedient to the word of God until ultimately again they would fall prey to an adversary and the adversary would conquer them. And in the midst of their conquering, you could, you could watch it like the hands of a clock and finally be by reason of their distress, they would begin to call upon God. 
by reason of their affliction and by reason of their affirmity, they would begin to cry unto the Lord. And the cry of distress would reach the ear of God. And God would stir up again another preacher. And a man would go with a word from God and preach to Israel again. And Israel again would repent. And Israel again would be led out of low places. And Israel again would be led to a mountaintop. And there God would bless them again. And they would rejoice. The problem with that is they never broke the cycle. They never were able to get out of that cyclical journey, that Ferris wheel that they would get on, the merry-go-round that eventually they called uh, church, uh, the merry-go-round that they eventually accepted uh, that this is my call in life uh, and this is my station in life. Uh, but if you would examine the Bible, you would find uh, that because of this cycle, because of this reoccurring merry-go-round of disobedience that the Old Testament is filled with statements like, uh, like as follows that my people did evil in the sight of the Lord and then it would be followed up and God handed them over and then that would be followed by and they cried unto the Lord and then it would be followed by a preacher and then it would be followed by statements and the land had peace. I want to preach to you tonight and I know it's the first time I've ever stood behind this desk and I want to, I want to properly handle my invitation but I got something burning in my soul tonight that I believe God wants to address to certain 21st century churches that the hand of God is deeply upon and the providence of God is in their midst and destiny has been placed at their footstep and that is to address that it has never been the call of God and it's never been the will of God and it's never been the plan of God and it's never been the purpose of God for us to repeat the cycle of Old Testament churches and to learn to live in short-lived victory. I've come to Jennings tonight to preach to somebody that it's the will of God that God delivers us from the cycle of trying to figure out how to deal with the oppression of our spirit and say God take me to the place that you have called me to possess and let the anointing of the Holy Ghost rest on me. Well, praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. I know where I am. I know what I feel. And I know what I preach. I've been where you are tonight. I've had those sheets on my my table next to my chair. 
I've seen the blessings of God start to pour into a church. I've watched God take us from zero. You let me hear, hear me tonight. I've watched the miraculous of God, and then God starts blessing, and then somehow in our spirit or somehow in our nature, we got the feeling it can't always be this way. It can't always be this good. God's favor is not always going to be upon us. I've come to preach that spirit out of this house tonight. It is the will of God that we embrace the call of destiny, of First Pentecostal Church, and say, God, if you're big enough to deliver me, you're big enough to keep me delivered. And if you're big enough to call me, you're big enough to get me there. Well, praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. My God's not a part-time God. He's not just God on the mountaintop. I'm serving a God that's God 24-7. He's God every day of my life. Oh, come on, let's worship him. Hallelujah. And that, that mess... That mess, that mess gets put into our DNA. That mess gets in us. It gets in us. Boy, didn't we have a great church Sunday night? Now I wonder what it's going to be like Tuesday. Well, should it be any less? That's us, not him. That's us. Y'all, I'm scared of I'm I'm scared of me right now. I feel absolutely, totally at home. It's us. It's not God. Tuesday don't mean nothing to God. God don't have a calendar. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the Lord God, and he changes not. This, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. Now, some of y'all saw me on my phone during church. Yeah. I wasn't texting emailing, I was using my concordance. So relax. I've got a San Diego weather alert that said heavy rain detected within five miles of Jennings, Louisiana. This poor phone has blown up the last couple days since I landed in Houston. Heavy rain, lightning, wind. We ain't had rain since April. It's a dust bowl. Y'all cussing the rain. We're begging for the rain. Y'all ain't cussing it. Well, maybe you are. I don't know. You may be wanting to cuss it. I don't know. But, but I want to talk about the cycle of failure. 
I want to talk about that. Re it's going to get quiet here in a minute. But then it'll be better. You're, you're going to survive. You're going to survive tonight. You're going to live to eat boudin another day. <laughs> Hallelujah. But this cycle of failure, this, and every one of you know what I'm talking about. When we talk about revival, we talk about, you remember that revival. Do you remember back in, you know, 59. You remember that revival back in, back with Verbal Bean way back? You remember that, that revival back then? You remember that? You remember back? And somehow, somehow in Apostolic Pentecost, we have crafted into our minds and we have crafted into our spirits that revival is a moment instead of a lifestyle. We've, we've crafted it. We've crafted it into our, into our psyche, and we've crafted it into our approach, and, and, and we've crafted it into everything we do that we call apostolic because, because whether you want to raise your hand and admit it or not tonight, we live Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning for Sunday night. In fact, we talk about Sunday night church. And as apostolics, we have our own vernacular. You know, it was, it was toe up from the flow up. I mean, that's how we stay in the hood where I come from. Excuse me. Y'all may not speak that language. Said it. It was, it was off the chain, off the hook. It went up in smoke. You imagine what the waitresses think when they're waiting our table Sunday night after church and we're talking about service and said, my God, it was off the hinges tonight. A bomb blew up in that place. Thing went up in smoke and they're putting down our eggs thinking, my God, where are these people coming from? Demolition Derby? Nah, church. Church. We got our own vernacular. But somehow we think it's only on Sunday. And it happened so much in Israel that they begin to hallow the age of failure. That after a while it became, it was something that they embraced and said, it's just part of our culture and, 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 and it's, just, it's just the way that I am. And, you know, you, you, can't live, you can't live full of the Holy Ghost all the time. I'm asking you, why can't you? I mean, you know, a church can't thrive all the time. Why can't we? A dog's a dog all the time, ain't it? A cat's a cat all the time, ain't it? A Nutri-Rat's a Nutri-Rat all the time, man. I know about Nutris. I've eaten them. I have made sausage out of them. Uh-huh. Don't turn your nose up at me. Some of y'all have too. It's all right. We're human all the time, aren't we? We're breathing. Oh, pray to God that we are all the time, aren't we? But yet, when we talk about our relationship with God, hang on a little bit. I'm going to get to my message. We talk about our relationship with God. That there's this huge caveat that, you know, I'm going from glory 
and then I got 19 weeks to get some more glory, and then I'm gonna pray through then, and then I got I got to slog through the mess, and 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 then I'm, I'm gonna pray through again. But it's I'm gonna tell you something. That's not the will of God. Israel was that way. But Israel had no indwelling presence of God. Israel did not know what it was to be baptized by the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. At best, they had a cloud of fire. At best, they had a pillar of uh, a pillar of, uh, of fire and, and, and cloud. At best, they had the presence of God on the external. But I'm preaching to a church tonight that's been filled with the spirit and the power and the glory and the anointing and the destiny of the Holy Ghost. Let me preach my heart to you tonight. But while I am preaching this and while your spirit wants to believe this, there is the component of the flesh that's saying, I want to believe that. But what about the mess? You know, I would live in revival every day, but I'm married. I'd live in revival every day, but my kids. I'd live in revival every day, but my bills. I'd live in revival every day, but you fill in the blank. And it is as common as mosquitoes in a swamp. It affects us all, and we learn to craft an acceptance that I, my Holy Ghost experience is a cyclical experience, and I'm learning how to embrace down times and sad times and wrong times because internally we don't want to talk about it, but in our own recesses of our mind, when we're alone with our own spirit, we ask ourselves this question, if I've really got the Holy Ghost, then how come I'm dealing with this? And if I really got the Holy Ghost, then how come I'm dealing with that? And if I've really got the Holy Ghost, how come I've got to put up with this? And if the hand of God's really upon First Pentecostal, then how come we're dealing with this? I'm glad you asked that question, honey, because God sent me here to preach to you tonight that in the deliverance of God and in the calling of God, God said, I love you enough that when I deliver you, I'm going to leave some nations around you that's going to test you and prove you and give you an opportunity to say, yea, yea though he slay me, yet will I trust him. The Lord giveth and he taketh away, but bless it. Watch this. In the beginning of my text tonight, God said, I chose, I chose to leave heathen nations in the promised land to prove Israel. I'm, I'm after devils here tonight. Devils that tell you that you don't have all that. 
or else you wouldn't be dealing with that. I'm after spirits that want to plague great apostolic people and great apostolic churches that say if you really had what the preacher preaches, then you wouldn't be dealing with a Philistine or you wouldn't be dealing with a Sidonian. I beg to differ with you tonight, honey. I've come to preach to you that God loved you enough that when he dug you out of the pit of sin, he said, I'm going to leave some nations. I'm going to leave some nations that I'm going to leave on the purpose uh, to see whether or not uh, your faith is bigger than the devil. Uh, your mouth is greater than your adversary. Uh, your conviction is bigger than the temptation that's coming your way. He said two things. I left him there to prove whether or not. 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 Pastor, I won't be in church Tuesday night. My parakeet got mumps and <laughs> gerbils got strep throat. You fill in the blank. God said, I'm going to prove. I've left him there to prove. I've left them there to prove you whether or not you're going to look at the face of your adversary and say this is a real issue and you are an ugly looking problem. But I am not going to let this problem get bigger than my God. I am not going to let this problem. I may be sick in my body. But I'm not going to give in to my sickness. I'm going to drag my carcass to the house of God. I'm going to lift my hands in the tabernacle. I'm going to lift my hands in the sanctuary. God want to tell you, I've left them with you, baby, to prove you. And then he said, and then he said, second of all is to teach the young'uns how to go to war. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. God forbid the day that the elders in our church would feel like their days are over. God forbid the day that the elders in our church wouldn't have their proper position. I love to look at gray-haired mamas and gray-haired daddies that still got their hands in the air. You know what they're doing? They're teaching a young generation. This is how you deal with temptation. This is how you deal with trouble. This is how you deal with a struggle. This is how you deal with a... people worship it, but there ain't nothing like an old man. There ain't nothing like an old woman that waves her hand to God and says, you've been good to me. In this church tonight, our elderly saints of God who were Pentecost when Pentecost wasn't cool. I'm preaching about Pentecostal elders tonight that worshiped when people looked down on them and said ugly things about them. And we got a new generation coming up that don't know nothing about that. That's why I need my grandpa. I need my grandma. Teach me to war. Teach me to war.
Go ahead, sis. That's what I'm talking about right there. There's something about that. She gets a shake in that old head. What's she doing? She's teaching me how to go to war. That's how you conquer. That's how you get it done. That's how you war. You're not backslid because you're dealing with stuff. You don't have a lesser Holy Ghost because you're dealing with the adversary. You're not a hypocrite. You're not a two-bit. You're not a poser, honey. God said, I've left that mess with you, so you're going to learn how to conquer it. It's going to make you stronger. It's going to make you better. It's going to take you higher. You just got to fight it. somebody. The Holy Ghost is in Jennings. There's a call of God on this church. We got to fight to the mountain. But when we get there, we're going to stay there. I said we're going to stay there in the Holy Ghost. I still love to hear, I still love to hear an agent saint, an agent saint, cut down on travail. Woo! I know in our new generation, we got music and we got PA and we got keyboard. I thank God for all of that. But I'm going to tell you something I still love. I still love chills running down my backbone when an old timer starts feeling the Holy Ghost and lets out. and It still gets me when they grab that hanky and they start shaking that hanky up in the air. It still gets me when they grab that tambourine. They may not be able to keep a beat, honey, but they know I beat the devil off my family and I beat the devil off my kids and I beat the devil out of my mind and I beat the devil out of my trouble and I beat the devil out of my spirit. Come on, there is something. I said there is something. There is something that we got to learn from that generation. God left us with a struggle to prove us. God left us with a struggle that we can teach this young generation. You don't fold, you don't cave. You throw your hands in the air. You open your mouth. You talk in tongues. You pray like there's no tomorrow. Come on, Jennings. The Holy Ghost is on you. There is a call of God in this church. I promise you, you are destined for greatness. You got to keep fighting the fight. We're going somewhere we've never been in the Holy Ghost. God's taking us to another level, and we don't have to leave it. Yeah. 
If I had the Holy Ghost, I'm going to talk to some men right now. Well, if I had the Holy Ghost, if I really had the Holy Ghost, then how come when I'm on my computer and nobody's looking and I'm a mouse click away from hell, and my mouth's click away from getting myself in trouble. Uh, if I really had the Holy Ghost, how come I'd be dealing with that? I thought I had that conquered. Come on, brethren. I'm a man like you are. Let me preach to you. If I got this stuff called the Holy Ghost, uh, how come it's still in my brain? How come there's still a temptation? Because God said, I'm leaving some nations in you to prove you. I'm going to prove you when the church ain't going on. I'm going to prove you when the choir's not singing. I'm going to prove you when the pastor's not preaching. I'm going to prove you when nobody's looking. I'm going to prove you when you're by yourself. I'm going to prove you so you can teach somebody else how to go to war. I rebuke every demonic spirit that's trying to tell you you are less than a child of God. You are a child of God. You are the son of God. That's just nations that God left to prove you. Watch this. Watch this. And Paul said, and lest I should be exalted of a measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh. I mean, we're talking about the writer, sis, of two-thirds of the New Testament. We're talking about the Apostle Paul. I mean, God, if I'm your man and if you've called me and, and if I'm all of this and, and a bag of chips and a yard of boudin, look, look what he said. He said, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. And for this thing, what thing? Those enemies, those nations, that thorn. For this thing, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. God, if I'm your man, if I'm your woman, if we're your church, then how come I'm still dealing with this thorn? How come I'm still... I've missed it somewhere. I, I've got off track somewhere. No, no, you haven't, honey. I said, no, you haven't. If you're off track, there ain't going to be nothing messing with you. And Paul said, I sought the Lord thrice, thrice that you might get this stuff out of me. God, if you love me, get this out of me. No, I love you. I'm leaving it in you. Because if it was out of you, you wouldn't pray. If it was out of you, you'd get exalted. If it was out of you, you'd get heady and high-minded. If it was out of you, you'd get proud and puffed up. I'm leaving it in you to keep you humble. 
He said, I prayed thrice that God would deliver me. And you know what God said? And I'm going to paraphrase. I ain't taking it out of you, but I'm giving you enough grace to deal with it. He said, my grace is sufficient. And in your weakness, you're going to be made strong. And so what did Paul say? He said, more gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecution and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, I'm strong. Can I have a couple more minutes? Let's look at who God left. This is in Canaan. This is in the land of promise. This is the land that flows with milk and honey. It's sportsman's paradise. It's Louisiana. Milk, honey, boudin, tasso, and cracklings. And crawfish. Uh huh. And grigri. Uh huh. Grimos, yeah. Let's look at who God left. I mean, God, you mean this is the promised land? And I'm still dealing with stuff? Mm hmm. This is the, you mean this is Canaan? This is the land that flows with milk and honey? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There in Canaan? Yeah. The Philistines. Let's look at the Philistines. The Philistines posed a continual threat. You're, you're fine. You don't have to go nowhere. I'm not going to be long. What time is it? It's 10 till 9. For those of you on medicine, it's 10 to 9. <laughs> Peace, everything's cool. The Philistines posed a continual threat to the whole world because they monopolized the manufacture of iron. Now, when you sing or when you hear the song of Deborah in Judges 5, and I am not a, a Hebrew scholar, but I'm a student of Hebrew. Judges chapter 5 is probably the most difficult chapter in the Bible to parse and to break down to the original because it is written in question form and its language is exceedingly wispy. It's, there's, by wispy, there's, there's veiled messages in everything. And in, in, in chapter 5 of Judges, in, in Deborah's song, if you read, I believe it's in the 8th verse, 7th or 8th verse, she said, in a time of war, speaking of Israel, there is neither sword or shield among 40,000 Israelites. We went to war and 40,000 men didn't have a sword and didn't have a shield. 
Because the Philistines controlled the iron. God said, oh, I love this. I'm going to leave them in your midst so that you will never depend upon your own machinations. I'm going to leave the Philistines in your midst so that you know that in your earthly abilities, it's not ever going to be done because there is a bigger nation that controls those resources. But if you will understand when you can't get the Philistines iron, you can be like the psalmist David that says when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I am. I preach to you tonight that the church cannot match the earthly abilities of the world. But we've got to plug into the spiritual realm. You know how you're going to build that church? God's going to build that building. You know how you're going to get it done? We're not trying to match dollar with a Philistine. We just got a message for the Philistines. Just sit back and watch, baby, because my God owns the cattle of a thousand hills, and God's going to get the job done. Don't get mad at God if you don't have enough money in your pocket. That's a time to lift your hands to God and learn how to go to war. Turn to God. I said turn to God. Get back on your face. Let the Holy Ghost do it. And the Philistine is there to remind us. I'm going to fly through this. He left the Canaanites. He left the Canaanites. The Canaanites were the most debauched, sexually perverted nation that Israel ever had to deal with. The Canaanites had fertility clubs. The Canaanites had vestal virgins. The Canaanites had church prostitutes. You're not hearing me right now. The Canaanites had older women that would seduce young boys in the church. The Canaanites were the most vile, ugly, evil, sensual predators. It was horrible. That's why when God finally dealt with Canaan, he, what did he tell the prophet? He said, you kill them all. You smite them all. Don't let a baby live. You don't let nothing live. Get it all out. But the eye appealed to the flesh. Now I'm just going to... I'm just... If I have the Holy Ghost, how come I'm still dealing with this stuff? Am I being too plain? I'm being careful. God doesn't deliver us from our flesh. That's a trap. If he delivered you from your flesh, you would be in a box. God delivered me from my flesh. Boom. God doesn't deliver us from our flesh. Are you hearing me? God gives us power over our flesh. God says you got to deal with your flesh. You got to bring your flesh under subjection. Are you getting this? Are you hearing me tonight? 
God doesn't delay. He expects us to flee fornication. He expects us to deal with it. He expects us to say, no, thank you. I'm married. No, thank you. I belong to God. No, thank you. I'm a child of God. No, thank you. I belong to Jesus. No, thank you. Because I promise you, when you start putting those victories under your belt, you're going to start walking taller and stronger and say, come on, God. You and I, we got this thing. God's going to help me. He left the Sidonians. The Sidonians. Jezebel was the daughter of the king of Sidon. Oh, Lord, I could preach all night. I'm not going to do it. She married Ahab. Why, why are we still dealing with this mess in our life? Why are we still dealing with worldly appearance? Why do I still got to? It's the 21st century. I mean, come on, Pastor Townley. I mean, what's the big difference between here and here? All right. Here and here. Well, if it's no big deal, yeah. quit making a big deal about it. <laughs> Every time you precious women get up in the morning and you run that brush or comb through them long hair. My wife's hair was to her ankles when we got married. It's not that long now and she's never cut it. You know, you just, things happen when you get a little older in life, you know. So dealing with this mess, yeah? You're dealing with that mess because it's giving glory to God. Now, now the, the scourge among Pentecost today is all these little dudes wanting to grow beards and facial hair and looking like an idiot. I'm sorry. If you got a beard here tonight, I'm not calling you an idiot. I'm just preaching that. Well, what's the big deal? They ask me that all the time. Well, if it's not a big deal, why are you making a big deal about it? All right. I had a man sit down with me the other day in my office and he said, show me in the scripture where it says I can't wear a beard. I said, I'll tell you what. You want a Bible study? Let's have a Bible study. You know, I took him, I took him to where Paul put his arm around Timothy, who Timothy was a Greek. Mm-hmm. Timothy was not a Jew. So Timothy didn't have to be circumcised at eight days old because he was not a covenanted man. But Paul said, Timothy, I need you to go help me reach the Jews. And Timothy said, cool. It's getting quiet right now, boy. It's quiet right now. Paul said, one little issue we got to deal with right here, but a little issue right here. Well, what's that? I'm going to have to circumcise you. Excuse me? I hope I'm not being too California right now. Had nothing to do with his salvation. It was not a salvific move. It was for the sake of the gospel. And so I looked that young man in the face in my office. I said, so I'm going to ask you a question. Is it easier for me to ask you to shave your face or for me to circumcise you? Go get a razor and shave your face. I don't know how you do it in the swamp, but that's how we do it out on the West Coast right there. 
to tell you something. While, while I'm here, let me. Women bear the testimony of righteousness in your dress. Men bear the testimony in our worship. He said, I would that men everywhere lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So it's one thing to talk about the women having uncut hair and dressing godly. It's another thing for us men to do our part and say... It's come ye out from among them. In Canaan. They're still in Canaan. We got to come out from among them. And be separate. Um, musicians, come. And then, fourthly, the Hivites. The Hivites were best known for being devious. If you read Joshua chapter number 9, they did their best to deceive Joshua, their leader, using an elaborate scheme. I'm going to tell you, there's these four major issues every one of us deal with in our living for God. And God left them there to prove us and to teach a younger generation how to go to war. The Hivites were people that wanted to hold hands with the world and hold hands with the church. They wanted to be in league with the who's who and the what's what. And they, they were the crowd that wanted to be relative and cutting edge and technical. And all of that is a smokescreen for the deviousness that's inside of them because it's all fueled and driven by rebellion. And God said, I'm loving you enough to leave them in your midst. To see whether or not you're going to serve me. And whether or not you're going to teach a young generation how to go to war. Multitudes followed Jesus when he was handing out fish sticks and bread. Crowds thronged him when he was walking on water and healing blind eyes. They all came to hear him teach. But few followed his teaching. They were there when the crowds were there, but when it was prayer time, he had to beg the three closest to him, can you just, just watch and pray? At his arrest, everybody forsook him and fled. Because here's the, here's the crux of the matter. There was only a real few that wanted it. A lot of people wanted the fluff, but they didn't want the stuff. They were like a loaf of white bread or light bread. It was, it was just all fluff and no stuff. You could just... <laughs> but First Pentecostal Church of Jennings, I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, gone are those days for you. You will never be able to live that way. Because there's a call of God to the deep, deep soul of this church. I believe that God is bringing you to a place that churches around you are going to start navigating by the beacon of light that God is establishing in this house. One of the greatest sins that we can ever commit is the sin of learning how to live in condemnation and feeling like, 
I don't have what anybody else has because if I had what they had, I wouldn't be dealing with what I'm dealing with. And if our church was really all of that, then our church wouldn't be dealing. I'm here to tell you your church is that. And you are that. And you do have the Holy Ghost. God just said, I left some stuff with you to prove you. I want to ask everybody here over the age of 50, would you come stand on this altar right now? First, age of 50. If you can physically do it, I want you to come. Let's make room for them. Then everybody else that's younger than them, get in around them. They're not following us. They're leading us. And we're learning from them because they're teaching us to go to war. Would you lift your hands and your voice right now? Would you pray? Would you pray for First Pentecostal? Oh, God. God, how many words have you given to this church? How many prophecies God have thundered over the pulpits? How many dreams and visions? Let's everybody pray. Come on, the Holy Ghost is here. You're developing us spiritually, God. You are developing us in the spirit. You're not just building a crowd. You're not just building a congregation. You're building a church. And you're doing it by developing our spirit. Come on, just a couple more moments. Let's pray. I got a job to do, God. I got a job to do, God. I got a call on my life. I've got destiny in me. I've got destiny in me. I've got destiny in me. Thank you. Now work one more time with me. Those of you that I called up front first, would you turn around and face those behind you? Would you face them? If you've got a mom or a grandma or a grandpa or a dad that's in this first group, I want you to go to them right now. Go to them. Stand in front of them. Grandma, if it's your granddaughter, I want you to lay your hands on her. Grandpa, if it's your grandson, I want you to lay your hands on him. If it's your son, I want you to pray for him. If you don't have a grandma or grandpa here, I want you to adopt somebody real quick. Let's go to war, Jennings. Let's go to war. Teach this young generation. Teach us. Teach us how to pray and travail. Teach us how to wail between the porch and the altar.
teach a younger generation how to go to war. You fight, you fight, but you win. You get back up again. Rejoice not against me, oh my adversary. For when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. You get back up and you get back to the house of God. You get your hands back in the air. This is how you're going to build your new building. This is how you're going to reach Jennings. It's nothing new. It's going to be old-time Holy Ghost. It's going to be praying and talking in tongues and working and walking and giving and sacrificing. It's going to be dealing with the adversary every day of our life. But in my weakness, I'm made strong. I'm made strong. I'm made strong.
Aleluya, aleluya, aleluya. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Hallelujah. Amen. Reminds me of what the Lord spoke to us through Sunday night through the gift of tongues and interpretation. Sister D.D., there's many battles ahead. Many battles ahead. But he is the Almighty. No matter what the battle is or the enemy is or the weapon is, we win. By God's grace, this church is going to keep warring on and fighting on. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Brother Buxton, for such a, not just a good word, but a timely word. A word fitly spoken in due season. No doubt a gift from God tonight. It's going to help us do battle. We're not going to beat up on ourselves. We're going to do battle with the enemy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I hope, I, I hope it's been a little while since we've had a message that's really spoken to our elders. Amen. I hope you elders receive that strength tonight. We need you. You're effective in this battle. You're effective. We need you. I, I've told you this periodically through the years. And that is God has left you guys here to get this church on its feet and going forward. And there's never been a church that has better elders than what this church has had right here. Thank you for the example. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Amen. And all of us, I know you're going home encouraged and strengthened of the Lord tonight, blessed of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you just lift your hands and say, I receive it, God. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it, God, into my heart. I receive it into my spirit. I've heard your voice, and I've, God, received your word. I thank you. I give you glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I give you glory. I give you glory. I give you praise. I give you honor. I give you worship. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. I have two or three announcements before we're dismissed tonight. Some of you may know um, this, but if you do not, I need to make you aware of it. Uh, Raina Crater, this is Sister Evelyn O'Quinn's sister. She passed away during the night last night. They had contacted me on Monday, and Sister Evelyn did and said, listen, uh, they're not expecting her to make it through the night or through the day, uh, would you be willing to preach the funeral? I said, absolutely. And um, so I need to let you be aware so you can be praying and so that you could support this family. Um, the viewing will be tomorrow from uh, 5 until 9 at Matthew and Sons, if you'd like to go by there. Uh, 